And we are the Extra Sisters, so sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome back to another installment of our foreign horror series, Horror Around the Globe. And in this episode, we are going to Indonesia, and we are going to talk about a film called Satan's Slaves. Not from 1980. What year are you from? I guess there's one from 2017. Thank you. Yeah, this was actually made as a prequel to the 1981 because the director... I thought this was really sweet. Actually, this has quite a bit of good trivia on IMDb if anybody's interested in this film. But the very first thing on there is this director snuck into the film in the 1980s and it scared him and mesmerized him so much that when he was older, he asked the company that made the original that if they ever wanted to make a remake, please be aware that he would like to remake it. And they actually did. They actually came to him and went, yeah, you want this? That's neat. Yeah. I watched this in my bedroom alone with all the lights out one night and kind of wish that I hadn't because (laughs) it was actually like, it wasn't like the scariest thing I've ever seen, but there were some really spooky little elements to it. Yeah, definitely. It had some good scares, I will say. And it, you know, I always really like foreign horror films because even if, you know, they don't always hit. It's all you never really know what you're gonna find or get yourself into, really, because of different religious aspects and different folklore and different things like that. And also just the way that they do their special effects, mm-hmm. their spirits, their monsters are just so they're imagined a little different. Now, these looked kind of similar to things we see over here, but it's also the kind of things that do scare me. <laughs> so it it really kind of kind of got to be there. Yeah, definitely. And this one is one of the most loved, I guess, foreign horror movies that we're doing this year. It has like a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. So we knew we had to do this one. Yep. It The critics gave it a 91 and the audience gave it a 78. So it does have really, really good reviews there. And just kind of a... It, it's actually got a pretty complex plot, though. Mm-hmm. So... It's not hard to talk about, but it's hard to talk about without giving you like all of the detailed plot points without giving it all away. So like if you want to go watch it, I highly, highly, highly recommend doing so. I It's actually not available on any streaming services for free, but obviously Amazon Prime has everything for rent. And I mm-hmm. think Sling has it, but you do have to pay for Sling. So unfortunately, not for free. Yes. Now there is, there's not much in this at all, but the ending does have something to do with the original 1980 version of the, of Satan's Slaves, which that can also be viewed on Shudder if you are interested in the one from the 1980s. 
which I am now. I haven't seen I the original, but I since I have Shutter, I will definitely be getting on that because I'd like to see how it ties in because this one was super spooky. And I know the 80s one will be different, but it's it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how it ties in. And this is set in 1981. And there is a family, four siblings, a father, a mother, and a grandmother all live in a house together. The mother, they kind of... It's, it's almost like one of those sickly, but very scary, sickly, like she's kind of spooky, sick, like they care about her and want to spend time with her, but also they're like a little scared to go into her room. Yeah, like she doesn't talk or anything. She's bedridden. Sometimes she stares. It's like the grudge, like she stares creepily into corners of the room. It's not great. It's kind of unfortunate because it's kind of like Alzheimer's, you know, it's mm-hmm. obviously it's not their fault, but like my grandmother, for example, was a sundowner Alzheimer's patient. So she would get up in the middle of the night and sometimes when she would live with us, she would just be walking around at 3 a.m. or standing in doorways and stuff like Ugh. that. Yeah, exactly. Like it was scary, but at the same time it, we got so used to it, we'd just be get up and be like, okay, grandma, time to go to bed, you know, mm-hmm. but it was also a little spooky. <laughs> so. Right. It's kind of like that. Like, you don't want to be scared of them because they're just a sick human being. But also, sickness does, like, does things to people. And it makes their bodies, like, look different. Like, and I'm not trying to, again, be, like, sad. But, like, when my dad had cancer, like, your skin starts, like, looking, like, grayish and Mm -hmm. sunken. And it just, just, like, it's sad, you know? Yeah. But they don't look like the person you knew anymore. Right. And especially for this woman, we find out that she was a a singer and she loves her hair. Like there's pictures of her. She was beautiful. She has an album. Like she has definitely fallen pretty far for these kids to see every single day. And also aside from like just looking different, it's just traumatizing. Absolutely. To watch someone wither away and die. So that's another reason that you don't want to go in there very much Mm -hmm. because you you start to just know that's your reality of that person now Mm -hmm. and you don't want to think of them like that you know right instead of remembering when mom was healthy and would play with us and do things now you see her only as this bedridden thing that it doesn't talk and is dying yeah like the lively vibrant person doesn't exist anymore and Mm -hmm. your memories kind of get shrouded in like what's going on right now you know So they're also having a lot of financial hardship because a lot of their income was based in the royalties she was getting from her record sales and radio play, and that's not happening as much anymore. Right. So, and they even go to the record company and they're like, yeah, well, nobody really cares anymore. Yeah, nobody's buying her stuff. And she's like, but it's on the radio. And they're like, well, do you think that radios actually actually pay for plays? No. Yeah, especially when it's been that old, you yeah. know. So, unfortunately, the father has to go off eventually, and we'll get there in a minute, and leaves the kids to their own devices, and that's kind of when all hell breaks loose. But even before that, one night, she uses this bell to signal when she needs help because she can't speak or walk. She can't even get up. And that also is like one of those creepy things that it's like a horror movie device because you we just know that she's going to die. Obviously she dies, right, right? Exactly. And we just know that even after she dies somebody going to ring that bell, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Like you know the horror tropes. Yeah, right. 
So one night, Rini, who is the oldest, she's 22, she see, sees her mother. She hears the bell. She wakes up. And she's, like, the most hesitant to go see her mom. Yes. And I don't really know why. I think a part of it is just seeing her mom like that. But also, she she did have, like, a dream about something scary happening before it happened. So part of it, maybe she's having premonitions or something like that. It's It's not quite fully forthcoming about that but she definitely doesn't like to see her mom like that which is yeah fair but she goes in to see her mother standing up by the window and like before this her mom has been like kind of staring into this particular corner into a particular window the window has like blown open by itself Things like that. Like, and they have a 16 year old as well who likes to brush his mom's hair and talk to her, and it's really sweet. So, you know, they do all have their own relationships with her, but weird things are happening when they're like in her room. You know? Mm-hmm. And they also do a lot of mirror play in this film, too. Yeah, which is nice, especially because they do it, but you don't really see it. Like, it is done so fast, you can't actually make out facial features. So, you are also the character going, did I actually see that instead of going, Oh yeah, we saw that and she just missed it because it's scary. Even when you're like, Oh, Oh shit, there's something in the mirror and it stays on it for a while. But if you're like, Whoa, what was that? What was that? Right. It does put you in that headspace as well because you know, something's coming, but you just missed it too. Exactly. And then you're like, do I need to rewind it? I did a couple times. I was like, wait, did I see anything? And then you can't actually make out facial features. And I'm like, oh, okay. I like it. Yeah. Because like part of you is like, I should go back and look at that. But that's not the point. Yeah. You're supposed to kind of miss it. You mm-hmm. know, they're getting these kind of like apparitions and paranormal things happening, but very slightly just in her room, like things blowing open and weird, you know, mirror things that they can kind of brush off. Yeah, especially this one son who was the closest to her. Like, he's the one who will hear things or see things, mostly. And then one night, Rini goes in to see her mom's fucking standing up by the window. Like, she should not be standing. And this is after she's had a horrible dream that was actually really spooky of going in there, seeing her mom standing by the window, and then going up to it and actually looking back and her mom is still in bed so this isn't her mom standing at the window this is some entity pretending to be her mom and then she wakes up and hears the bell and it's the same scene with just a few minor differences from the dream and she goes in her mom is actually standing at the window and then that's when she falls over and dies i feel like she's not creeped out enough (laughs) like if you just had a dream and then the same exact thing happened i would be fucking freaked out I'd be waking up my dad, my uh-huh. brother. And that's that's something that they don't do enough. Like, they don't, like, if I was that scared, I would be making, like, my 16-year-old brother do everything with me. Yes, or the fact that, like, I get that you lived in this house a while. I've lived in my house a while. I still turn lights on when I need to go to the bathroom, when, <laughs> when I hear sounds. Why do people never do that? Turn on the fucking hallway light. Yeah. I I don't, it was very dark the whole time. Yeah. They were like, "Nah." <laughs> right. So, they go they have a funeral for her and the family uses one of their neighbors who is a priest and his son starts befriending Rini. 
His son's name is Hendra. And the next day, their father leaves for the city to deal with their financial situation. And that's, like I said, when all hell starts breaking loose, when the dad leaves, because now it's just the siblings and their grandmother. Mm-hmm. And the grandmother is not a huge part of the picture. You only really see her when it's, when, like, she's uh, going through some shit with some paranormal shit, you know? Right. She has asthma, so we kind of hear that sometimes. And she, the youngest, she kind of, like, plays hide-and-seek with him. Those are the instances that we see. And the youngest uses sign language, and he doesn't really speak. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he doesn't hear, or doesn't at least hear very well at all. And the younger brothers, they're also kind of experiencing some paranoia. Like, one of them has all these grave superstitions and doesn't like that his window looks out towards the cemetery. And the youngest one is, like, the cutest thing ever. Oh, my God, Yes. For like a little while. (laughs) He's still cute. He's just evil cute. (laughs) Yeah. But like you don't know that until like the very end. Yeah. So like spoiler alert I guess. Actually you think that like. There's like this whole red herring brother. Mm -hmm. The whole time. Yes. Yeah. The family is all. They're all experiencing these apparitions that look like their mom their mom so like the 16 year old will be listening to the radio and the radio station will change and he'll hear the bell and then he'll see something that looks like his mom and it's like spooky spooky yes like her comb where he would comb out her hair ends up in his hand one night i hated that yes the kid is smart though he takes the bell and he takes the comb and he buries them with his mom he's like please stop haunting me doesn't doesn't work because this isn't just haunting stuff this is satan stuff but it's cool that he did that yeah well because when the comb happens she literally yells like comb my hair yes (laughs) (laughs) i hated that and it was like not just like comb my hair it was like comb my hair yeah it was like satan's voice coming out oh that it gave me chills like like head chills i don't know how to explain that but like yeah So they, one day, Hendra, and so remember, Ustad is the one that is the priest that buried their mom, and Hendra is his son. Hendra tells Rini, who is the oldest 22-year-old, that he saw a figure resembling their mother in the window of their house, and he tells her, that's something else. That is not your mother. It has assumed her form to basically rip your family apart. There is something evil in your house. You need to move out of that house. And she's like, I can't just fucking move out of my house, bruh. Right. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. He mentions also that he saw it at the grave. So it's like, hmm, interesting. If somebody told me that, (laughs) like, when you told me that there was something in my house, like, a couple years ago, my old house, I was like, we're going to cleanse this shit. Like, uh uh-uh. Yeah, I didn't no, see she, anything, but I was like, mm. right. No, she thinks it's all a joke. And I'm like, which part of that is, and actually this is something that pertains to the original I was reading up on, that the original was all about people falling out of religion, basically, out of the Muslim faith. And that's why they are open to what's happening now, to being haunted and Satan and all of that stuff. So that's kind of the nod to the old movie. So basically... 
these people are Muslim and they don't attend mosque. They don't pray. And that's why she's also like, no, that's not fucking real shit. It's kind of shitty because it's like scaring people into religion, but. Yes, exactly. But I did find it interesting. I decided to look up, look it up because I don't think of Indonesia and Islam together, right? Like, that's interesting. But actually, I looked it up and Indonesia has the highest population of Muslims in the entire world. Hmm. Yeah. It was interesting. It was. It was, I guess, in like the before colonialism, Muslims had gone to Indonesia and they kind of like dropped the faith off and people were like, yeah, that's interesting. But then when colonialism came along and the Dutch came out, it became like almost a rallying cry against colonialism. So all these people jumped on to the Muslim faith and it's like a crazy high number, like 91% of the whole population of Indonesia is Muslim. Which is, makes sense why they would, like, want to continue to, you know, perpetuate those ideals in their films and use horror to scare people into, you know. Right. Because eventually it actually comes down to, oh, this is all happening in your house and you must pray to Allah to get rid of it. And you must not do it half-heartedly or else you'll still be vulnerable is basically how they tell Rini that she has to get rid of all of this stuff right definitely but I mean if it helps at all religion does not save them no it's actually actually a spooky uh fucking creepy person like me that believes in ghosts and shit that saves them right yeah (laughs) and like while she's praying actually is one of the like spookiest little scenes yes oh my god and this like oh they did such a good job on the makeup and stuff these hands they're so spooky looking yeah but while that's all happening their grandmother is writing a letter but she is having a lot of trouble breathing and she gets up from her wheelchair and Rini and her little brother Bondi find her in the well drowned. Yeah. And so they have another funeral. And again, their father is gone. He has no idea his mother's dead. Yes. And they even mention when he leaves, like, how are we supposed to contact you? We don't have a phone. He's like, well, what do you expect to happen? Well, obviously a fucking shit ton happens. Yeah. Like you should at least have like a phone number for where you're going bro like right exactly your kids come on so now their grandmother is dead and she figures out where their letter her letter was supposed to go and it was going to one of her old friends and so they just hand deliver it her and hendra hand deliver it and this is a childhood friend of hers and they were talking about how her grandmother did not approve of her father's marriage to her mother because artists weren't respectable careers mm-hmm. and she was infertile, but mm-hmm. she had four kids. That's yeah, weird. Interesting. Yeah. Which also it's like, it's not her fault. She's infertile. Like the woman deserves to be married even if she's infertile. Come on. 
Right. But they talk about how even the grandmother, like, they struggled for years and years and years, and all she had was these kids' father. Like, that's it. So it's interesting for the grandmother who struggled to watch this woman who should be infertile have four fucking kids. It's like, hmm. And they even comment later that none of them look alike. And, you know, siblings don't necessarily have to look alike, but there's usually some things in a family where you're like, oh, yeah, you have the same nose or something. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, they, and like obviously they don't look alike because you know they're it's actors. Yeah, but... so we don't think of it that way. We're like, whatever, they're they're supposed to be siblings, but they comment on it in the movie. And usually, some casting directors try to find attributes that are similar, right, with siblings and families. You know, so he says, take this article, and it'll help you. And they're reading this article, and it kind of says that there are, like, she's reading it with her 16-year-old brother, basically, or her her 16-year-old brother reads it. And he's like, well, every time we went to these events, there were always these this group that didn't even speak to the other guests. They were just... They were just there. They were really weird. They didn't talk to me when I tried to talk to them, asking how they knew us. Like, they Mm -hmm. never talked. And he tells Rini that their mother may have been connected to a satanic cult that allowed barren women to have kids through Satan, but on the condition that the last child be handed over to the cult on their seventh birthday. Which, that's crazy. Right. And he even does the math. She is 22. He is 16. His next brother is 10. The little brother right now is 6. And he's like, so when she knew that the time was coming up, she would just have another baby so that they wouldn't take the youngest. But then she died. Yep. What was she going to do? Just keep having kids? Right. What was the plan, woman? They were going to find you. You couldn't just run away. Right. Like, mm. and she's kind of like throw like blowing this all off. She's very hard up to believe in any of this the whole time. Yeah, like, because at this point, like all the weird stuff. Your mom died. Your grandmother died, and she, your grandmother, even believed that this could be a possibility. Yeah, it's actually not until her dead grandmother wheels her fucking wheelchair up to the table while she's trying to feed her brother. That she starts to believe. Like until it's slapped in front of her face. Because she sees her reflection and hears her fucking wheezing. Mm-hmm. And she had just put the wheelchair in her grandmother's bedroom. So why was it in the kitchen downstairs? That's fucking weird. Yeah. Why? You can't just write this shit off now. So that's when she's starting to be like, okay, I need to pray. I need to do all these things. Yeah. And not only that, like you're seeing in between all these things, the brothers are like experiencing all of these things. And after one of the littler ones, the 10 year old found the, I think he's 10, right? 12, 10. Bondi? Yeah. 10. 10. The, after the 10 year old found the grandmother in the well, he went into a total shock. And then something has been convincing him to kill his little brother. Yes. So, like, he's full-on possessed now. Like, he tried to argue against it and say, no, I don't want to. I don't want to kill him. I love my little brother. And the only thing to keep, they say, to, like, 
there's nothing you can really do to stop the cult from coming for the child, but basically love will kind of keep the family together and keep them from taking him. Yeah, and you still have to give him up. So you have to surrender him at some point. So as long as you still love each other and you still want your little brother, then you're good. And it's like, well, yeah, obviously I want my little brother. Like, why would I give him up? Maybe when he's possessed and tries to kill people. I was about to say, well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, at some point, you know, there might be a, (laughs) a reason for that. So the next day, Tony even puts together that their mother probably wasn't even impregnated by her husband, but by members of the cult. And that's when he's like, we all look different. Yeah. And then, like, Hendra goes and... Because they fucking peaced out. So when the whole grandma thing happened, like, they've been terrified. They're seeing stuff. They're being haunted. And I can't even describe to you, like, these haunts really are spooky. You really need to watch the film to, like, get the whole extent of the haunts. Because they are really scared like i genuinely was was creeped out by these every time something was going to happen i was like "Eh." (laughs) (laughs) and like it very much reminded me of the nun but like when the nun was like good you know what i mean right like in the conjuring 2 when we were all actually scared of the nun and we were like Mm -hmm. you know but it was very shrouded it wasn't like you know towards the end when it's like in your face but they when the nun was actually like hidden in the corner or in the painting and you were like (gasps) it was like that the whole time yes it's a long time before you even actually see any like monster like any makeup or anything like that like there's a bunch of you know let's throw this blanket over this creepy picture of mom in the hallway and it throws over a fucking ghost like that you didn't even know was standing there there's creepy things like that that you don't even realize the whole time and it runs at them and those Mm -hmm. poor little babies are so scared and then the little kid, and you don't realize all this stuff, the little kid is like, no, nothing ran at us. And you're like, bitch, what? <laughs> right. Mm. So they actually run to the house of the priest. That right. He's a neighbor. Kind right. of. They're like out in the middle of nowhere. They're pretty alone. Yeah, but they run to him and he takes them in because he does believe that all of this is happening to them. He says, mm-hmm. well, you're a house that doesn't pray, so you're especially vulnerable. Right. So Hendra decides to go to the man's house that gave him the article and Rini stays with her family and says, bring this letter to Rini. However, Hendra fucking dies in a... like a bike accident on his way back with the letter Mm -hmm. a brutal one like you're thinking oh he's just gonna get hit by a truck and they're not gonna show it no they fucking show it Ooh, his face is drug along pavement and just like there's no face left Mm -mm. which is sad because he's a little cutie yeah i really liked his character and everything and then they oh my god they, ha- they take him back to his father, of course, because he's not only just the father, but he's also a holy man. Like, they need to bury him, all of this stuff. And the poor father, oh, heartbroken. Yeah. And so now he's definitely, like, 
beside himself so he's not really much used to the family you know mm-hmm. which is fair like he just lost his child yeah like he is so heartbroken after the funeral which i don't know if that's a muslim thing like maybe it is but wow they buried him fast like he came home they buried him and then they all went home for the night like it was same within hours they buried him but as soon as they get home he just locks himself in his bedroom and the kids are almost like taken almost drug out of a window and he hears the whole thing and he even opens the door and sees it and he just shuts the door again because he just can't deal with it I think it is. I think they do try to, their burial rites are pretty quick cool. from what I understand. Yeah. I don't really know that much. Yeah, me either. But, but yeah, it's, the father does finally come home though. Yeah. And he comes home to his family being traumatized, his mother being dead. They're not even home. They're at the fucking neighbor's house. <laughs> like, yeah. like. And his yeah. son's dead. Like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like they he finds them at the neighbors and then they go home and then you just see him in I don't even know if it's his wife or his mother's bedroom, but he's just crying. <laughs> it's like I bet. Absolutely. Gosh. That's what a thing to come home to, man. Right. So this poor dad, like, is trying to understand what's going on here. And he pretty quickly acts, though. He said, all right, we're out. Yes, doesn't, absolutely. Doesn't matter the financial situation. Doesn't matter about the house. We're going to move to an apartment downtown and get to the city. Which is cool. But mm-hmm. now, Hendra did get the letter to Rini. She picked it up because it fell out of his pocket. So she has it, but she doesn't read it. I know. What the fuck? I'm like, girl, you have all the information you need right there. You need to fucking read it. it. That was the reason he went. He literally died for that letter for you. You literally told him, I'm going to go with you. Just be careful. Ma, 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 ma. He died for that letter. Open it. And I know there's a lot going on, but that's the whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing. So how about you open it? Yeah, like, excuse yourself to the bathroom for five fucking seconds. Go read it. Because it would have saved you a whole lot of pain. (laughs) Yeah. And heartache. Like, mm. And so when the dad gets home, he says, okay, so we're going to pack up the house and then call a car. Which they do. But the car never shows up. Nope. And that's, that's uh, supernaturally. Right. They're being kept there for a reason at this Absolutely. point. He even talks about how we're going to celebrate your brother's birthday at midnight because, like, his birthday is now. And you as the audience are going, oh, shit. Okay. So this is all going to happen tonight then because they have to get him now. Yeah. Which is... Mm-hmm. And Ustad comes over to their house, so you're like, okay, well, we have the holy man there, so that's probably good, right? Yeah, well, he don't do them any good, first of all. <laughs> None. Which I feel bad, but. Yeah. Mm. So they, that night, they have, like, a really horrible experience, right? So. They, the father experiences all these 
like poltergeisty things too. They actually, the poltergeist type thing attempts to drag Ian out of the house and he's trapped with Bondi. Now remember his other, the 10 year old brother, that's who that is, has been trying, like, you think he's going to kill this kid the whole time. Like he even right. has a knife at one point, but someone finds that he has the knife and he's like, Oh, you're going to hurt yourself with this. Be careful. And takes it from him because mm-hmm. someone has been telling him to kill his little brother the whole time. And you think it's like someone bad, right? Right. But it's not because the grandmother has been dead, a dead ghost, but trying to help the family the whole time because she knows everything. Right. She knows what's going on. She knows the seven year old's the bad one. She knows that like, Everything that's going to happen here. She knows about the satanic cult. She is on top of it. And so, but the seven-year-old is signing, like, I love you while he's being, like, dragged out of the house. And the 10-year-old does end up saving him. And then the next day, while they wait for the truck to move out of the house, a day before the seventh birthday, that it never comes. We already talked about that. And then total blackout. Mm-hmm. And then as they go to sleep... The Usada staying over for protection. They wake up. So Rini wakes Tony up after she finally reads the letter. Mm-hmm. And it says the last child isn't actually a sacrifice, but the actual offspring of Satan. Right. So he's basically the Antichrist. <laughs> right. But then how does that work? Like she would have a baby. So are they all the actual baby of Satan then? Because I think they're just they didn't cl- have Ian. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just Satan just knew, you know, maybe he's mm-hmm. like omnipotent like God. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's probably still kind of a possession thing because he doesn't, he's still the sweet little boy until he gets drug into the well and his dad goes down to save him and pulls him out. And then he's like all creepy and possessed and wants to kill people. Yeah, I don't know, man. Because they do see all of a sudden they wake up like they talk about how, you know, he's Satan's kid. And then their father wakes up to see their fucking mom's corpse next to him in bed. All of these zombies are rising from the grave while the 10 year old wakes up and sees his brother just talking normally. Well, in a different language, but like but like he doesn't talk. Yeah, exactly. Talking. What he the signs. Yeah. Exactly. And then he just starts talking to him normally. Mm-hmm. And so all this creepy shit's happening. And then the two older ones and their dad see Ustad being killed mm-hmm. by his undead son, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they see Ian, remember the little one, go to his mother's zombie corpse. In the backyard with dozens more zombies. And he's just calling them his friends. Yeah. And at this point, the family's like, all right, he's gone. He's gone. Let's just. This uh, is what they go. meant by <laughs> by letting them take him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then as the father tries to get Ian back, the 16-year-old's like, nah, he ain't your kid, dude. Mm-hmm. Tony drags him inside, and the zombies chase the family down. Except and grandma holds the door. Oh my yeah, God. the spirit of their grandmother, like, slows down the zombies. And then her friend that's been writing these articles actually arrives to rescue the family because he knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
And this whole time it's like, what the, the I, what I really liked is that they combined elements of so many different things. There was like ghosts, Satan, demons, poltergeists, mm-hmm. zombies, all in one film, mm-hmm. like hauntings and like all, and then undead and there was cults and then like all these cult people came and they like sprinkled pomegranate seeds yeah to lead the the zombies to them which pomegranate seeds obviously everyone says eve ate the apple it's it was a pomegranate so if you didn't know that now you know oh i was going with the whole hades and persephone and the pomegranate seeds we both had two different interpretations of that so (laughs) you know you could say that too but like you know I just thought, you know, it was the first, uh, you know, Satan Mm -hmm. gave man the first sin, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was like all of these horror elements and they just said one movie, bam, but it wasn't done poorly either. No, it, it felt like it all fit. Like when you're dealing with Satan, doesn't everything fit? (laughs) Yeah. Well, cause like when you just think like a mod podge of things, you're like, how the fuck do you like fit those puzzle pieces together? You know, Mm -hmm. like that. Right. And then we go to a year later and they are living in an apartment downtown like they wanted and a neighbor drops off some extra food for them. And then we follow the neighbor back to her apartment with her husband and there's a map on the wall and she talks about doing another harvest and then they just start dancing together. And he does say her name. I don't remember what it is. It begins with a D. But that I I had to look up because I was like, what? The ending is weird i feel like i missed something and it's because i did so that character this woman was actually the one who was taking care of the kids in the one from the 80s that that was her so it kind of brought them both together and i really loved that i like when a film is not necessarily made for me like the fact that i didn't watch the original one i'm gonna miss out on something and i love that they do that yeah like I was just reading about it, too, and she said she's, like, the villainess of the original film. Yep. All I knew for sure, even not knowing that, was they're the bad people because they had a whole jar of pomegranate seeds. And right, I was like, exactly. they're in the cult. They're in the cult. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they know that that, that they, were, they were just victimized, and they're in the cult, and they're the bad. You know? Like, <laughs> they're bad. I knew that. I knew that much. So, yeah. Like, I know that this did actually pretty well because the budget was only $150,000 and it got $16.2 million at the box office. Yes, it was the highest grossing Indonesian film in 2017, which as a horror lover, I have noticed that over and over again since we've been doing the foreign ones or since we did 100 Years of Horror. Like, it's always the horror movie that that tops the charts that year. Horror is awesome. Let's Let's do more. Like, let's give them awards and shit, people. No. I know. No. <laughs> Blood and gore is grody. Well, I think it also just strikes home with so many people because it's so nostalgic. And then when mm-hmm. they play off of nostalgia and they do it well, people are just like, thank you. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You know, and obviously since he cared about it so much when he was a kid, he's going to take care of it now. Yes. Even down to the poster, I was reading, like, once again, I didn't write it all down because it didn't seem like groundbreaking for you guys but if you're really interested in it, the trivia on imdb was really good and one of the things was the poster for this film with the people with the umbrellas and they're in, all in black that was done by a fan of the film so they even let 
the fans do the posters and stuff. The people that really loved this film, they let in on this. And it shows. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I didn't have the nostalgia for this film, but I respect it. You know, maybe not just as much as if I had, but I definitely could see where if you loved the original and you watched this one, I would imagine that you would be super stoked for it. Absolutely. I mean, we watched, we probably should have done it with this one, but we watched V and Forbidden Empire from Russia, where Forbidden Empire was the remake years later, decades later. And it was definitely a cash grab and you could feel that. Whereas this one, you could feel that it was done by people that loved the film and it was amazing. Yeah. What's so interesting is we were just talking about like trying to remember what the other one was called. And it was like, I don't even remember some of these films, but I'll remember (laughs) this one. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because they're sometimes just so unremarkable in their remakes. Mm -hmm. Right. But this one, I thought, I know it's not a remake, it's a prequel, but still like, but you got to put some respect on it. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I really enjoyed this one. I think it was creepy. Like if you want to turn off the lights and watch something that feels very like, like almost nostalgic creepy of like the old, like just the creepy, like white face, black eyes, cloaked spirit. Like that, that's kind of, that's how this felt to me. Mm-hmm. Like it was a very, I loved that just feeling again because it doesn't happen very often you know it's like I don't absolutely I don't get scared very much anymore but I was authentically creeped out by this absolutely I think that I would probably give this one like a four solid four for me there I don't know why it's not a five but for some reason it's it's a four I I just it's really hard for me to give fives I guess but I I really thoroughly enjoyed this film and I thought it was really well done so yeah for me it was a four but like a really strong four that's interesting that you say that because I tend to give out fives more readily than Amanda, but even I am sitting here going, it's a four. I'm not sure why it's a four, <laughs> but it's definitely a four for me. But it's, I agree with you. It's a strong four. Like definitely check this movie out. It's really good. I think, you know, for me, it was like, oh, now there's like, uh, we did say all these elements together worked well and they did, but it was like, oh, now there's zombies and now there's this, now there's that. And it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many things. And it's like, that's that, that was fine too. I just you know, when the zombies and everything were happening, I was like, oh, I was so into the paranormal part. Mm-hmm. Now there's zombies. I don't like zombies. That's, that's really <laughs> probably about it. I just, meh. But right? You kind other... of have to, like, change tracks that you're on. Exactly, yeah. So it was just like, I don't really care for the whole zombie thing. But that's just, like, a personal preference for me. But it wasn't owed to, like, the what was coming from the other one, which was zombie-ish. So, you know. Right. Yeah, I really highly recommend it. Again, I know it's not free on any streaming service, but rentals are fairly cheap, especially if you have people that want to get creeped out. I would recommend this one. And if you don't mind foreign films and subtitles, obviously we don't. And I recommend them because there's a lot of really good stuff you can find with subtitles. So check it out. Amazon Prime and Sling Premium is where you can find this film for streaming. And thank you so much for hanging out with us for this review of Satan's Slaves. You can find us on all of our social medias. Everything is The Exorcisters Podcast and Twitter is at The Exorcisters. And if you would like to join our Patreon family, it is patreon.com slash The Exorcisters Podcast. Until next time, stay creepy.